a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you. Number to call 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Back to the phone lines. Lynn has been waiting patiently in Taylorsville. Good morning, Lynn. What was your question? My question is, I have uh, an autumn blaze. I have one here in Taylorsville, and I've had it treated with uh, trunk injection. And But I have one also up in Paris, Idaho, which I couldn't get them to go clear up there to treat. So I was wondering, uh, what's the best way to treat that? Well, chelated iron. And so I'd stop by a local farm star store or garden center and pick up either Miller Ferra Plus, and that's F-E-R-I-P-L-U-S. So there's Miller Ferra Plus, and then there's also another company called Growmore, G-R-O-M-O-R-E. And then just the Growmore chelated iron is another one that you could... um, They're pretty much the same product. And so... You would treat that, and how wide is the trunk on the tree up in Paris? It's probably 8 to 10 inches. It's probably 25 feet. Okay. So you may need a couple of bottles, but it'll give you rates for the width of the trunk. And just mix it up in five-gallon buckets and drench the tree. If you can time that with a rainstorm, uh, that would be great, but you may need to get a hose out and just for 10 or 15 minutes after you dump the buckets, just put some extra water Mm -hmm. down to soak the iron deeper into the soil. Okay. So uh, I was thinking, I've heard of uh, taking plugs and going down to the roots, but is that necessary? No, it's not. The 90% of your root mass or in the is in the top two feet of soil. It's kind of a okay. falsehood that people assume that a tree's roots are growing almost like a mirror image of the tree underground, and it's just not. All the water and nutrients are in the top two feet of soil, so that's where okay. the roots are. And then you'll get anchoring roots, but it's just like five or so, five ten percent of the root mass that will anchor the tree down. But all the foods in the top layers of the soil. Okay. And so when would be the best time to do that? Early spring before Early spring. I mean, that's or? like July up there. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's when the snow melts off. So on the okay. Wasatch Front, it would be mid-March. So up there probably early to mid-April. Okay. All right. Okay. okay I appreciate well, that. Thanks so much Thank for you. your call this morning. Uh, next listener, Ton says, how do you prune yews and when is the best time to prune So that's them? Y-E-W. For, they're a shrub we use for kind of a shade plants. They're sometimes used for hedging. Don't want to prune the animals? No. Okay. No. So the question is, is what are they pruning? Is it a hedge? Hmm. If it's a hedge, just sometime in the spring, it's fine. Um, if they're wanting to 
there is a variety of U called Irish U, or there's another one called Hicks U that will get 10 or 15 feet tall. And those, if you're trying to reduce the size, you can go in now between now and mid-March and just go in with a Sawzall or some good um, pruning loppers and just cut some branches out. You take out about 25% of the branches from the middle if you're trying to reduce size. If you're hedging them, uh, I would wait for spring and do it then. Uh, Nexus wants to know what your thoughts are on adding clover to your lawn for water conservation purposes. The research is just out on it for Utah. Nobody has actually sat down and done replicated trials to see how well the clover would do here. Now, initially, it will require less water than turf grass, but if you let it go to the point that it wilts down, it'll just kill it. Mm -hmm. To where turf grass will go dormant and it will, the crowns and the roots stay alive. And when it starts to get water again, it regrows. And so the drought strategies are a little bit different. And so when I hear people like, oh, I'm putting in clover, I get leery of it. Not because I don't think it will work. It's just that the research is still out there. And so places like Conservation Garden Park, um, we a couple of years ago, we had Liz Braithwaite on that has some clover lawn and yarrow lawn. But there's so little of it that's happened. I just can't say do it. All right. Scott is on the line in Spanish Fork. Good morning, Scott. What is your question? Good morning. Uh, Don, I have last year I had some flowering crab trees in the parking strip and they they looked like someone had taken a shotgun through all the leaves. And last year I was told to apply a fungicide. Should I apply it right now before no. the leaves come back? No, I would actually I wish I knew what it was because if they were say cherries, then shot hole fungus is easy, you know, but you know, as far as fungal diseases, it will cause that in crab apples. There isn't one that is super common that just causes like a shotgun look in the leaves themselves. And so are you positive that they're crab apples? Yeah, I. Um, it's a new home and we, we purchased them from okay. Olson's Greenhouse. So what I would recommend doing is you probably will need to wait for spring and let them leaf out. And if it happens again, shoot some pictures and email them over to our office. The The email helpline in Utah County is Garden Help. Just one word, Garden Help at usu.edu. Okay. And you'd email pictures over there and Meredith or Liz will take a look at them. But I'm, I'm a little cautious because... I just don't know of many fungal diseases in apple trees that cause little shotgun type holes. And so, you know, it could have been wind whipping. It could have been a number of different things. And so it's really important to look at the leaves before I send you to buy a fungicide because it may or may not be a fungus. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Thank you. All right, Scott. Thanks for your call this morning. Next texter was asking about, uh, the little fruit tree method, Ton, and you were saying that's not something you've had a lot of experience no, with. No, it's a book. There's a book out there that I know some local horticulturists have really gotten into. I think that, oh, what's the name of the group up in Ogden that um, they turn front yards into gardens and orchards. They 
Mm. Um, but they use it. And so what I've done is Lee Nelson Hokey, who's a local horticulturist and designer, uses that method. And I've seen some, she's put out some YouTube videos with it. And so she's coming on in one week to talk about the little fruit tree method. And I, I said, well, again, one of those things that I guess extension, because we were supposed to use really research-based information, Mm -hmm. we almost get this orthodoxy to where we're like, oh, it's not research-based. We can't talk about it. But you get these gardening methods like the little fruit tree method, square foot method that are just really popular, especially with smaller yards, that there's a lot of benefits to that extension hasn't looked at yet. We don't have a monopoly and all things gardening. You know, we'd like to think so, but we don't. And so Malie is a good horticulturist and we'll have her on next week to talk more about it. Uh, we did have Joan asking a very unusual question about uh, using leaves as fertilizer and whether you could uh, put them in your osterizer to liquefy them. And w- would that be harmful or helpful? Or- it wouldn't be harmful, but it also wouldn't be fertilizer. Uh, fertilizer has a lot of nutrient value and what it would be is a soil amendment. And so what you would need to do if you wanted to do that, you could spread them over your lawn, you know, a, a layer of a quarter or a third of an inch and then just water them in and they would quickly decompose and the organic matter would benefit the soil. But they're absolutely not a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. They're an amendment that will improve the soil. And so you would still need to do fertilizer in addition to that. Okay, next listener wants to know, what is the best option to reduce or prevent apples from producing on your apple tree? They're the Inherited best, an apple tree doesn't want the apples. Pull the blossoms off if it's small enough. You can purchase growth regulators that will knock brought blossoms off of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a company that markets to homeowners named uh, Florel. And it's just called Florel Growth Regulator, but there's a label on there that you spray the blossoms and it takes them off. Now, it never is 100%, and so it may be that if you're absolutely not going to use the apples, you don't want them, a pruning cut at the base of the tree may be the best option longer term because Florel never gets all of them. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back with the final segment of the show. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Deanne, you are up next. You can also text us your questions, 57500. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton taking your calls, questions, 801-575-8255. Text us, 57500. Deanne is in Cottonwood Heights. Good morning, Deanne. What is your question? Hello. Good morning. 
Um, I've called the, the uh, line here before and had questions about ponderosas, pine trees. I'm I'm wondering, I'm a little confused. Are they considered a sequoia? No. I, I have had one person that said, I have a sequoia pitch moth. Well, if, are, are you tree. seeing masses, like pitch masses, on the tree, like on the trunk and major limbs yeah. where you just have a whole bunch of sap that yeah, solidifies? The so the sequoia pitch moth attacks a number of other trees besides sequoia because those are native to California, not Utah. But the moth is here yeah. and it attacks especially Austrian and Scotch pine. So. Okay. There aren't really any effective pesticide treatments. And what USU is recommending is if you have a lot of these pitch masses, it may be that the tree can't fend them off because it's drought stressed or otherwise not healthy. And so they do recommend, you know, making sure that the tree is deep watered every couple of weeks to a depth of a foot to 18 inches. But then you may need to climb up into the tree if you can do it safely and just scrape these pitch moths, these pitch masses back, find the larvae and just squish them. And that's been about oh. their recommendation. Oh, that's oh, awful. and not to do the the tree injections then. There's not effective. This is systemic. There's systemics are not effective against them. Oh, really? Okay. Unless something's changed over the last year. I was just looking during the break to make sure that I was up to date on information, but I checked USU's fact sheet, and they're specifically saying insecticide treatments may not be effective, especially systemics. Oh, okay. So there's no other treatment other than to have somebody climb up there and... And squish them and keep the tree healthy, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I had one arborist come out, and he wanted to do a, a two treatments on it, one one year and one the next. You know, I'm not going to say that they're trees. wanting to mit- misapply, but unless some labeling has changed in the last calendar year, according to USU entomologists, the, the uh, systemics, whether they're injections or applied as a drench, are not effective against it. And do they get a flat-headed borer? Uh, what? What do you mean, the pine trees? Uh-huh. Well, flat-headed borers are something that may get in there. There's several species that are opportunistic, and if the tree is really unhealthy and can't fight, fight them off, you know, they'll go in there and eat the bark, you know. And so I can't say there is a specific flat-headed borer that normally gets into them, but unhealthy trees become a buffet to all sorts of things because the insects can't be fought off. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got two neighbors on each side of me that one hasn't watered for like 10 years. Oh. <laughs> and it's on the, they're on the property line of both of these neighbors. And so... Um, you know, I have a sprinkler system that waters the lawn, but um, I've had one guy that's turned off the heads there on the line um, on off the side of the tree. But I've watered like every other day during the heat and three times a week when we've got normal summertime temperatures. So mm. I'm not yeah. quite sure. Um, 
you have mentioned to water them, but the tree looks healthy at the top. Well, it doesn't um, mean that it's getting enough water, though, because okay. a tree sometimes has to be 50% dead before you see the damage. We've got to move on, but we really okay. appreciate your call. Thanks, Dan. All for right. Your well, thank you morning. so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, next listener, Tan, says, is it time to trim ornamental pear trees and any tips on how to prune them? They're in their park strip. They're ones that they're HOA. Yeah, if they're just limbing them up to make required. it so that you can see past them as you pull out your driveway, mm-hmm. it's okay to do it now. But because they're ornamental and we're not managing them for fruit production or anything, my question is, is why are you pruning them? Mm. Well, their HOA requires them in the curb strip, so I'm assuming that they also have requirements for how lar- or how far they spread. I don't know. That's... I will say with, and there's a lot of HOAs that require this, but ornamental pears are becoming more and more irresponsible to plant. They are becoming a problem tree nationwide to where the seeds from them are invading our forests. Mm. They're super thorny. They outcompete other trees. And so a lot of states have started banning them. Utah has not. But I would encourage people in HOAs to just get away from ornamental pears. There are so many other trees out there. And the ornamental pear has performed well here, and it may not become as much of a problem, but they're cold hardy, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility for them to start working their way up our canyons, especially lower elevation along waterways and really start to cause a problem. And so I would just encourage people to be responsible and maybe veer toward other trees. Those ornamental pears are great. They do well here, but it's kind of one of those things that we've been there, done that, and we're finding that they're problematic and we need to move on. Okay. So you're saying unless there's a real big reason to prune them, don't prune them. Yeah, there's no reason to unless they need to be limbed up so that people can see past them. Just okay. leave them or alone. Or walk under them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next person wants to know when they should uh, prune their plum tree. And they're wondering, it has two different varieties of grafting, and they wonder if that even matters for pruning. They need to keep track of where those varieties are on the plum so that they don't accidentally prune one out. But it, beyond that, it's not really that important. You know, I should follow up with a pear tree text that if they have sucker sprouts around the base, those can be cut away from it at any time. Hmm. Any idea where someone could purchase a semi-dwarf walnut tree? They don't really exist that I know of. Hmm. They The rootstocks available, there hasn't been a bunch of breeding on walnuts to create semi-dwarfs rootstocks. And so they're going to want to be 50 feet. Now you can purchase Japanese heart nut, which only genetically gets to about 25 to 30 feet, but you need two of them of different varieties. And so Stark Brothers, there's some nurseries out there that will sell them, but you need two varieties. But if you want half-size walnuts, Japanese heart nut is easy to split and it has that walnut flavor. Okay. Uh, next person says they cut into their tomato or their potatoes, excuse me, potatoes, and in the center was a brown hole, and they're curious of what might cause that. It's oftentimes caused by overfertilization. And I'm not saying they intentionally did it, and some varieties are more prone to it. But when there's a lot of growth, and so you water, and if there's extra nitrogen available, sometimes they grow so fast that in the middle of the potato, you can get a hollow. Uh. 
Okay. Next person says they dug out a lot of spearmint plants in their garden. They'd like to kill it. Uh, can they cover it with clear pa- plastic for the summer to accomplish that? As long as they get all of it, yes, they can. Some of those mints, they're very aggressive. Yeah. I, spearmint, peppermint especially, are as hard to get rid of as bindweed sometimes. And even though they smell good, they can be really hard. There are a lot of other mint family plants that even though they may grow quickly, don't spread all over like the spearmint and peppermint do. All right. That's it for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. A lot of tech still left. I will be back next Saturday from 8 to 11. And have a great weekend. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.